Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Undying Light listeners. This is your host, Pastor Alex, and as always, we are back at you with another new episode on this beautiful Friday, uh, sometime in the middle of October now. I believe we are kind of perusing through the month by the time this episode will air. It'll be the 14th, so I'm a little bit ahead, a week ahead or so, uh, and eventually I'd like to get to where my Friday shows, I'm just doing uh, you know, a plethora of them. And uh, that I think will happen here as we kind of close down the Tuesday show and we will kind of put it on the back burner for a little bit. And uh, I want to get to a point where I have a couple weeks out on the Friday show. And so I'll be, you know, continue to record two shows in the studio every week, but there'll be, you know, two Friday shows. So for you patrons, you'll get uh, a bunch of shows kind of thrown at you and you'll have uh, enough time to listen to them before they are aired. And the goal is to have them at least two or three weeks ahead of time, if not a little bit more, depending on how much I want to kind of put a buffer in there, if you would. So I've also thought, too, so this is going to air on the 14th, which uh, will give you as a listener about a week to decide this question. And uh, I want to present it to you in this manner on uh, on Undying Light, this show, this podcast, we have a patron uh, account and through that people can support this ministry by giving as little as a dollar or as much as they want and I have decided that in order to hopefully maybe reach some of the people who are kind of on the fringe or on the edge of it I'm going to open up a two-week trial to uh, to the stuff that I do behind the scenes and there's no obligations from you there's no uh, requirements or anything that you should meet. You don't have to pay anything for it. I'm just opening it up for anybody who's interested to come and partake in two weeks. And the reason I say this for two weeks, you know, like a 14 day trial, if you would, is starting the 23rd of October, we will begin a, a new Bible study in our church. And we're going to look at the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And so we are going to be going through a harmony of the gospels and even though we're doing, you know, Matthew on this show, we're going to look at all four Gospels in connection to each other in this Bible study. And so there'll probably be deeper things in the Bible study than what you would get out of this show. And you'll see more interconnections there. You'll see more Old Testament references and, and, and throwbacks like that. 
And so there will be uh, that coming up on the 23rd. And so what I was thinking of is, boy, that would be a great time to open up this little trial period for you. And you would be able to join us uh, Sunday nights for two weeks to see the first two studies. If you're unable to join us on Sunday night, you can watch them as I, after I upload them. I'll send you a link privately and you can watch those after if you are unable to make the Sunday nights. As you know, there are many patrons who aren't able to, and then they turn around and watch it Monday or Tuesday or later on. And uh, so they all have access to those links when I upload them. So that would be for you, as well as I'd give you uh, your access to the Discord server that we have and sermon notes if you choose. And so trying to give you a little bit of incentive, but mostly just to show you what else we do behind the scenes and what uh, you know perks you would get for supporting this ministry. So that will uh, open up. The week of the twenty, uh, the week of the sixteenth, uh, send me a DM on Instagram or Facebook, or send me an email. You can go to our website and punch in a uh, a note, and I will get you the information there. Uh, if you want to use a different platform than Patron for giving, you can use PayPal or anything else like that. That's linked on our website, or uh, or anyway, if you subscribe on the uh, Instagram page just through Instagram, send me a note and let me know, and we'll make sure that you have access to everything that we're opening up for you. But if you're just interested in the trial and you just kind of want to see what it's all about and what we do, then by all means, come and come and watch and, and, and listen and, and kind of bake in it for a little bit. And then if you decide that this is something you want to support, then great. If not, no, no hard feelings, no obligations. You can um, end your little trial and go back to listening to the shows on Fridays. And, and again, no hard feelings. So I thought that was just kind of an, a, a, a unique thing. I don't know how many creators are actually doing that. And my goal is to preach the gospel to as many people as possible and to uh, create this community of like-minded believers. And I think this would be a unique way of doing so. So that's the spiel for today's show. We are going to get into Matthew chapter one, and I am going to do my very best at, uh, at reading some of these names. I have practiced them and I'll tell you, I can probably get up to verse 12 without much complication. But once the deportation to Babylon happens, uh, some of these names are, are incredibly difficult. So I am going to do my best uh, to, to chisel through this, and uh, we will see where we land. So 12 through 14, 15 here, it looks like those are going to be... Um, those are going to be the monumentally difficult ones that I'm going to try and work through. The others I, I'm fairly familiar with, and I can work through them. But some of these names, again, are just difficult. And so I pray that you that this portion of the show would be edifying for you and uh, maybe even a little comical if I stumble over a word or two. But um, please forgive me for sometimes my tongue just fails at working. But I will do my very best to, uh, to nail these down and get them pronounced per, uh, correctly for you. And that'll be kind of my going forward measure. I, if if people want to read particular chapters or books for me uh, on the show, then great. I, I'll certainly allow that to happen, as I've had in the past. We've had uh, Chris voices uh, his words in a few books, and we've had April on for hers. And so those are things that uh, you know are open to the patrons if they choose to do so. If not, no hard feelings there. They don't have to. So. That's uh, really the spiel, uh, you know, w when it comes to this show, and, and I've kind of gotten the um, third degree, if you would, on 
social media and and I frankly just don't care because most of those people don't listen to the show anyways. And I find it interesting because they give me so much blowback for that little caption that I put at the end of my videos. And the caption really just is a, hey, this is what we do. We have a patron. You can support us here. You can get your discounted copy of Logos. You can, you know, if you're into fitness, then go and check out this company that I am a sponsor of or an, a, an affiliate of. Go and check them out. If you want to get your blood work done to see if you need your hormones fixed, go and check out Prime Body. You know, all those things I, I include in my caption. And, I, and I get, I've gotten a few people that have given me some blowback over it. And they're, you know, they, they, they fail to recognize the videos that I'm posting, which are, are terribly heretical in nature, but yet they want to hammer me on this stuff, call me a false teacher and trying to make money off of the kingdom of God, which if you've listened to the show, that is never have, has never been my intention. My goal has always been to preach the gospel, and, and if you find my time uh, meaningful to you, then you can support us. If not, I don't, you know, that's fine. I, it's not a, you know, it's nothing off, off me to do this. So I just find it interesting because I've had a few people kind of harp on that and I've tried to make the last few weeks of the show not so heavy on the opening commercials because I'm trying to, you know, put more of an emphasis on the content of this show and with that we are going to spend more time looking at the scripture and the text ahead. But today I felt like it was appropriate to talk about the the trial period for the patron and, and if you're if you are interested in anything that I have in the show notes on the show, or if you're interested in anything that I talk about on social media, by all means, come and send me a DM, send me an email, ask me questions. I'm an open book. I will tell you anything you need to know. So that is uh, what's coming up for you in the shoot. I am considering finishing out the portion here on the, um, the book that I'm working on and that will kind of conclude our Tuesday series for a while. I I'm just at the point where I'm in the last bits of my ministry or the last bits of my seminary for ministry. And I want to get through my masters. And so I'm going to lean into that heavy for the rest of the year. And so I, I I'm going to probably record these next couple episodes and we're going to, we'll stop the Tuesday show for the remainder of the year. But by the time those get aired and recorded, we'll be like two weeks into November. So we, we won't have many weeks left to, to, you know, that it, there won't be anything. We might resurrect it back, you know, in January or February. We'll, we'll see where we, we are in, in terms of uh, topics and questions that people have. Maybe we'll use Tuesday as a question and answer show. I don't know. We'll, we'll come up with something I'm sure. And we'll see where we, we land with everything. So, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of the, the pickle to it all. And it's funny. I was looking at Instagram this morning. I'd put up a couple of videos and they have absolutely decimated my reach. Uh, and if anything, I'm being, um, uh, shadow band because I have two videos that I have up here and each of these videos are over an hour, one's two hours, and they have no more than 113 views, which is not normal but considering yesterday I had 4,400, 5,800, 18, uh, 1,200, 1,700, 2,000, 5,200. A couple days ago I had 8,200. 8, uh, 7,000, here's one with 32,000. And now it's like, I get 113 and then another, the other one has 99. It's like, those seem to be a little bit nerfed. And I, I don't know why Instagram does this to me. And I really, it really is frustrating because 
I, I try to share the gospel as often as I can. And on top of all that, I try to just have some fun and, uh, you know, share some comical stuff. But anywho's that's just me ranting. It just frustrates me the, how they Instagram tells you, Hey, we're, we're going to make the small accounts have big impacts in the reels. We're going to put them at the forefront of all the, of the for you pages. And, and it works like sometimes, but then like for a week straight, I get like nothing. I get no views and it's like, what are you doing? So anywho's that's just a rant. So Matthew chapter one, uh, the first 17 verses are broken down into the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And this goes all the way back to Abraham. And the key people in this are uh, Jesus Christ, obviously the son of David and the son of Abraham. So everything traces from Abraham to David and then David to Jesus. And uh, that's how we're going to look at chapter one. Uh, And then from 18 until verse 25, we have the birth of Christ. So this would be the nativity scene that you see at Christmas. This is a story that isn't usually told in the Christmas series. Um, they'll, they'll sometimes do it on Christmas Eve, but generally most lectionaries go to Luke's account because it's a little bit more in depth. However, they will pull from this because there's some significant pieces to the birth of Christ in verses 18 through 25, specifically in verse 21. And so these are, these are significant verses. I mean, I, I, there's not one in the Bible that's not, right? But these are significant, and, and I kind of wish, for the most part, churches would use more of the, the text from Matthew for the birth of Christ. But, you know, we, we don't have quite the in-depth, uh, you know, commentary uh, from Matthew as we do in Luke, but we do have some unique aspects, and we get to see a little bit of the early life of Christ that Luke doesn't quite record, but then we see a little bit more that Luke records that nobody else does. You know, for instance, when he's 12 and he goes to the temple and is left there. So, uh, let's dig into the text and, uh, let's see how bad I can butcher some of these names for you. So chapter one, verse one, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac, the father of Jacob and Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers and Judah, the father of Perez and uh, Zerah by Tamar and Perez, the father of Hezron and Hezron, the father of Ram and Ram, the father of Aninabad and Aninabad, the father of Neshlam and Neshlam, the father of Salmon and Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth and Obed, the father of Jesse and Jesse, the father of David, the king. That's the first six verses for you. So I, I don't think I did too bad there that um, the, the Rams, the father of uh, Aninabdab, that's a that's an interesting name to try and roll off the tip of your tongue. So uh, let's dig into the rest of it here and see how how bad I go. All right, let's continue on uh, with verse six B. And David was the father of Solomon the, by the wife of Uriah and Solomon, the father of Rehoboam and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, and Joram, the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, 
and his brothers at the time of deportation to Babylon. All right, so now here we get some of these tricky names that we're going to try and work ourselves through in verse 12. And the after the deportation to Babylon, we have Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiadid, and Abiadid the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zodak, and Zodak the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliad, and Eliad, the father of Elazor, and Elazor, the father of Mathen, and Mathen, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. All right, we made it through without too many bumps and bruises, I hope, and uh, I don't think I butchered too bad on some of those names, and if you really are curious, I have had to stop and listen to the names pronounced right before I record them myself. And so I'm looking at my, my tracks on the screen right now. And there's like, there's like 25 clips of me, pause, start, pause, start. I will be open and honest. Those names are pretty difficult. And I want to make sure I try to get as close as I could to the proper pronunciation of them, just for the sheer fact that this is such a significant text and it is, is all scripture is. So Let's um let's dig into these first 17 verses before we get into the birth of Christ and we will see where we go. So verse 1 it opens with the book of genealogy, right? So this book is a written document. Uh, it's often rolled up as a scroll as indicated in Luke 4:20. Uh, this book as we know it today is bound pages uh or as the Latin would call it a codex uh was the emerging technology at this time. Jesus here is the personal Name meaning Lord of Salvation. We'll see that in verse 21 shortly. And then we see Christ, uh, the son of David. Jesus was the descendant of the King David from whose family the Messiah was to come. So we can turn back to plethora of Old Testament scripture. For instance, Ruth Ruth 4.17 and see this prophecy coming down. But more, more interestingly here, I find how Jesus is touched or connected to the son of David. Obviously we know that Jesus comes from the lineage of David, but then it traces itself all the way back to Abraham, which is, you know, fascinating that there is this promise that was given to Abraham in Genesis 12. And that promise has continued through the generations until the birth of Christ. So when we see Abraham, we see that as the father of all Israelites through whom all the nations were to be blessed. This is the promise from Genesis 12 too. This blessing is finally realized in Jesus Christ. So pretty awesome little story of genealogy that comes through. And again, that's why this stuff is so incredibly important. And when I was really first starting out my journey as a Christian, I balked at reading genealogies because I'm like, oh, just a whole bunch of names that don't mean anything. And oh, they're interconnected this way and that way. But these names are significant because they connect all of the Bible's history and show us all of the character natures of these people connecting to, you know, each person in the next line, which then draw us all the way to the birth of Christ. And so they all are significant. Even when you're in the Old Testament and you're reading, you know, of genealogies that may or may not be connected to Christ, they're fascinating because they, they are for the Jewish history, uh, connecting them, you know, the, the people today back to their, uh, tribes and their lineage. And so they're, they're, they're fascinating nonetheless, even when they aren't a direct 
genealogy of who Jesus Christ is. So we get into verse three and we see Tamar, right? We have, uh, we go back. If we go to Judah and the brothers and his brothers and then Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, Tamar as the daughter-in-law to Judah, she was possibly a Gentile. And Genesis 38, Tamar is one of the four mothers mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus, none of whom are typical Judean women. This is a sign of God's grace to all people. So fascinating little understanding here. And again, this is why genealogies are important because it shows and it proves, one, God's grace to all people, but it shows that the gospel wasn't just meant for the nation of Israel, but it was meant for the whole world. And Israel and their selfishness kind of bottled it up, if you would. So in verse five, we have Rahab, uh, this Gentile prostitute aided the Israelites who spied in Cana before the conquest as indicated in Josh, Joshua two, one through 21. After Jericho was destroyed, Rahab and her family lived with the Israelites and she became an ancestor of the Messiah. Then in verse six, we have David, the king. Uh, then interestingly enough, your, the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba, this was whom David committed adultery with. And it just goes to show how, how God can use something of, of a horrific situation and still bring good out of it, where we will see Solomon, the son of David through the wife of Uriah, which would be Bathsheba. When Solomon is now interconnected to the lineage of the Messiah. Then we get down to verse 11. We have the deportation. Um, This was one of a few times in the Old Testament, but this was a significant one here with the Babylonian deportation. Uh, Babylon captured and destroyed Jerusalem in 587 BC and deported many Judeans into exile. This humbling experience is one of the most significant events in the Israelite history. In fact, in the Lutheran Study Bible, there is a whole page on captivity that they have marked to dis- talk about this particular topic. So interesting little tidbit and something we will probably eventually cover on this show. We'll get into more of the Old Testament history as we move along. However, for the foreseeable future, we will be dwelling in the Gospel of Matthew. Verse 16, we have the husband of Mary. The Joseph was not a biological father of Jesus, but the stepfather. Uh, and this, again, we'll see is the stepfather. Uh, in verse 20, uh, when we get to Christ, uh, this genealogy demonstrates that Jesus had the proper ancestors to be the Christ, though his claim was denounced as blasphemy by the Jewish high priest. And if we look at this particular quote from John Wycliffe, he was without beginning and without ending and in his manhood begotten and not made. Verse 17, uh, we have the 14 generations Matthew did not list every generation in this in his family tree, but rather created a three-part structure that communicates the sense of completeness and fulfillment. And again, there's a whole section on genealogies and ages in uh, the early pages of the Lutheran Study Bible. Uh, the birth of the promised Messiah is marked at the end of the Old Testament. So now let's get into verses 18 and on. Uh, well, first let's Let's summarize 1 through 17 for you, and then we'll get into 18. So summarizing 1 through 17, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, Matthew makes no effort to hide the sinners and scandals. Instead, he highlights them. Jesus' ancestors included prostitutes, adulterers, violent men, and other sinners of all descriptions. Though it might surprise us, 
that the truth is that there are no people other than the sinners to make up this genealogy. Jesus' ancestors needed a Savior just as much as we do. If God in his grace can use such flawed and sinful people, how much more can he bless and use sinners who witness the Messiah's sinless sacrifice and believe in him today? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I This is why I love the gospel because it's the this is the the entire premise to our faith walk. This is the entire story to the Christian is understanding who Jesus Christ is and that only through him does salvation come. So let's get into verse 18 and we'll read 18 through 25 and then we'll close out the show for you. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Ah, I love it. Just, he just gives me goosebumps when I read uh, the, the narrative of Jesus Christ. Anytime I read scripture, I, I, you get goosebumps. I, I, maybe it's just me, but I, I am, I, I, I get a chuckle. My heart gets lifted. I feel like, man, Christ is giving me the realization of the, the beauty that is present in all of this. And a book that was written, you know, some 1900 to 2000 years later, uh, still has the significant impact today as it did uh, through the centuries of preaching. Uh, it's just m- an amazing feat that people are still coming to know Christ as Lord and Savior. So let's kick off here these last final verses of chapter one. Uh, there is a lot of context that we could um, really dig into, but for the sake of time, unfortunately, we just don't have all of it in us. We might, uh, and I've said this before, we might t- take this and kind of pair it with some of Luke and and get a bigger picture. Um and so I, I, maybe we will do that. So like maybe next week we'll look at Luke uh, 1 and 2 and we'll just kind of put these pieces together of the greater birth narrative of Christ. And we probably will only do that just for the, the, the birth of Christ because there is a lot of moving pieces in here. Because when we open these verses, what we're, we're, we're missing essentially uh, that she's with child, right? Because in verse uh, 18 it kicks us off with that, when his mother had been betrothed to Joseph and they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Well, Luke answers that question. Well, how did this happen? Luke answers that for us. So let's dig into verse 18 just before we look at Luke. We're going to look at Luke next week. So just to keep that in the back of your mind. And then we'll kind of move into Matthew chapter 2. And as I've said on previous episodes, we can spend as much time as we want in Matthew, and if we don't finish a whole chapter in a in a show, then uh, we won't. I'm not not holding any any timeline. I'm I, I really am fascinated with digging into this context. So 
let's uh, see where we spin our wheels here for the next few months. So verse 18, the betrothed, uh, according to Jewish custom, the betrothal was a legally binding relationship. It was essentially the first stages of marriage. Uh, and then that goes on to say before they came together, being betrothed, Mary and Joseph did not live together or have any sexual relations. Mary became pregnant by divine miracle and not by any human means. That will be what we pick up next week when we look at Luke 1 and 2. Uh, so being a just man in verse 19, Joseph, who wrongly assumed Mary had been unfaithful to him, wished to live according to God's law. And then we can go back and see that by committing adultery, uh, the law permits Joseph from uh, being bound to her. He could divorce her. And so he was being just and he wanted to divorce her quietly. But in fact, the law gave the, the a betrothed woman, if found guilty, the punishment of being stoned. And Joseph didn't quite see that. That's pulling from Deuteronomy 22, 23 through 24, verses 23 and 24. So jo uh, Joseph decides not to do that, but he turns and wants to simply divorce her quietly. He had compassion for her and to plan just to simply dissolve the marriage without any sort of, you know, outside excitement, if you would. But in his dream, when he finds out about this that very night, in his dream, an angel of the Lord appears to him. And the Lord's messenger tells Joseph of this divine origin of Mary's pregnancy. The angel is mentioned again in chapter 2, verse 13 and 19. Uh, the common means of revelation in the Old Testament, especially in the story of the patriarch Joseph, Genesis 37 through 50, uh, these dreams are very common means for that. The son of David, as Jesus' legal father, Joseph, brought him into the royal line of David. So that's a significant uh, understanding as well when we see the connection between Joseph's dream and other Old Testament patriarchs such as Joseph uh, from Genesis 37. Uh, verse 21, this is a significant verse, um, and I'm going to maybe spend a couple seconds here really quick on this, uh, this concept of saving his people. So <sighs> I'm a Lutheran. I reject limited atonement, and I reject the, the, the acronym TULIP from the Reformed faith. Uh, reformed believe that verse 21 is this like paramount verse that points to limited atonement and, and they'll, they'll, they'll prove text some other verses as well to support it. Um, but what we see in this is not necessarily just a manner of limited atonement. So let's unpack 21 a little bit. We get the personal name of the Messiah is indicated that of what he will do. Uh, it goes back to verse 1, and we see that again here highlighted in verse 21, that the angel commands him to name him Jesus, for he will save his son or save his people from their sins. So this baby will be named Jesus all the way back to verse 1 of Matthew, which is the indication of a savior to his people. So that's what Jesus means is the salvation of uh, his people. So. Uh, John Christostom says this on Matthew darkly signified the Gentiles too, for his people are not only the Jews, but also all who draw near nigh and receive the knowledge that is from him. So the reformed camp, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on you, but this was something that I always kind of struggled with when I was a Calvinist. 
The reform camp will isolate this verse and and really bring it down to mean, you know, almost a verbatim of what it's stating that, you know, his people are only are only those to be saved when they really can't put a number to it. And there is no manner of, of you know, who his people are. And as the early church and as Paul even makes note of and as the church at, at large for the last 2000 years has pointed to Gentiles being included in that. So the reform would argue in this framework that any person who comes to believe is, uh, is a believer would be those who are saved by the death of Jesus Christ. They would be his people. They would also call them the elect Lutherans would call them the elect as well. But where we differ from Luther between Lutherans and the reformed on this concept of atonement is the reformed want to say that Jesus only died for his people. Well, we don't have a number or a measure or any way to, to, you know, demonstrate that. It's just some text that says his people. And there's some text in John which point to uh, Jesus, you know, holding on to his people, those whom the Father has given him, he will not let go from his hand, et cetera, et cetera. Those are, those are great verses and amen to all of them, and Lutherans support all that. However, Lutherans differ on the atonement aspect because when we see the death of Christ, we see it efficacious for all. It was sufficient to cover all of the sins of all people. However, only those who put their faith and trust into Christ will be saved. Only those who believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the grave will be saved. Those are the people whom he call his own, his elect. And those people are saved from their sins. The rest of the people, even though the gift was open to them, have rejected the gift. Even though they could have had their sins forgiven, they have rejected it. The death of Christ was sufficient to cover those sins. And the people had merely rejected it. So that's where Lutherans and Reformed differ. We, we look at it as, the death of Christ being sufficient for all people across all times. Uh, the Reformed view it as Christ only died for his elect. And that doesn't, and it kind of falls into that, that scope of double predestination and all that. So when we get to a text like verse 21, it's easier for us, I think, to understand it as meaning that anybody who believes will be saved from their sins. Anybody who believes in Jesus will be saved because Jesus, the name, means salvation. So any person who believes in Jesus will be saved from their sins. They will be his people, adopted heirs, grafted in, as Paul tells us, and all that wonderful, beautiful truth that we see in the scriptures. So working through these last few verses, um, this comes to a fulfillment of the prophecy, as Matthew is indicating. Uh, there is uh, 10 different times that Matthew will quote Old Testament passages with these words as spoken by the prophet. Uh, this is coming back to us from Isaiah 7:14, which interestingly enough, we can go back and read Isaiah 7:14 and get a uh, changing of vocabulary on the words used in the in the Hebrew there. Uh, we might do that in another time, obviously when we get through Isaiah. Uh, but we get on to verse 23 and we have the virgin which would then be Emmanuel verse 23. This is the, um, the quote, if you would, that Matthew was citing, uh, Isaiah's Emmanuel prophecy was originally addressed to an unbelieving King Ahaz of Judah, 
but its fulfillment came only when Mary's virginal conception of Jesus's birth. And we can, again, go back to Isaiah 7, 14 and verse 16 and, and pick apart that. So the, it's very simple. Uh, Cyprin declares that Christ is God. Uh, the name of Emmanuel re- revealed that the human child born in Bethlehem was none other than the mighty God. Tertullian even says this, he who is going to consecrate a new order of birth, he must, himself must be born from a novel fashion. This is the new nativity. A man is born in God, and this man, God, was born. So when we get to verse 24, we have taken his wife. Joseph, you know, did as the angel commands him. He took his wife, but he did not know her. Uh, In contrast to King Ahaz, who doubted Isaiah's, Isaiah's prophecy, Joseph showed that he believed the word of the Lord. This knew her not means they never had sexual intercourse until the birth of her son. So now there's some who believe in the, you know, uh, the virginity of Mary through her life. And there's a term for it. It just escaped my mind. So there are some out there who believe that Mary was forever a virgin. Uh, This verse kind of tells us that she probably wasn't uh, because verse 25 tells her, tells us that uh, Joseph knew her not until she had given birth to a son. So after that, she would have probably had some sort of sexual relationship with Joseph as being his wife. So again, there are some who believe in that and I I, I get it, but I don't see how that is relevant really to the entirety of scripture, nor do I see it being a big factor in how things are played out. But the Catholics tend to hold to it. I even think Luther did too, uh, but I just don't see it demonstrated in the text. So summarizing verses 18 through 25, Joseph serves as a model for believers before he knew the reason of Mary's pregnancy. He wanted to treat her justly, but mercifully. However, when God's angel reveals the unique miracle of the virginal virginal conception, Joseph believes and he fulfills his responsibilities by marrying his betrothed and raising Jesus. Some people today struggle to believe the virgin birth, but it takes no more faith for us to believe it than for Joseph. In fact, We have the evidence of Joseph's testimony to help us. He saw and believed that God can do what he promises. Likewise, the Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts to believe that God can do anything good and that Jesus is truly God and man. So a beautiful way to summarize this opening chapter. Next week, we're going to look at Luke 1 and 2. and We'll just kind of quickly summarize through uh, the narrative of uh, the birth of Christ. And we'll talk, we'll see a little bit about Joseph. Jesus and John the Baptist in the womb. And that's a beautiful text to get into. So we'll look at that, but then we'll dig back into Matthew chapter two after that, but, and then just carry on through uh, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ in the coming weeks and months on this show. So that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. I hope you all have a great week. Get to church on Sunday. God bless. We'll see you later.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 